Beloved by God, Church, let us begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand up and confirm the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ be enthroned in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are thankful to you, to your name, for the great privilege that we have to be in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are unreachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in the service, as previously, <clears throat> all the works of devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic dependence, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance, error, all of this, may it depart from the tents of your people. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may we be clothed, your saints, into your salvation, and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your Spirit. Saturate us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your great face. I present the service into your divine hands. Lead it with a powerful hand, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. And so, continue, continuing to submerge into the imperishable inheritance, the unchanging epigraph of our study of our inheritance in Jesus Christ is the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Saying these words, Jesus began to raise and the cloud took him from the side of the disciples. He will soon return again. We are waiting for him. This is a surprising time that is beyond the typical understanding of the mind. Even the very incarnation, how God was able to put on the body, physical body, live in this body, live together as we live and experience, sense everything we have and do, and then died a shameful death upon the Golgotha cross. And as we just sang, on the third day he rose again. And that is why during every service we proclaim the resurrection of Christ. It is very important to understand that it's unfortunate when the nation of God only one time a year pulls out of the grave Jesus Christ, uh, lifts him up, and before they do this, they cry and mourn. <clears throat> they have a, a Thursday and a Friday, uh, they pull him out of the grave, but he already resurrected. And there is no need to one time a year celebrate when he resurrected. <clears throat> 
the disciples were telling each other when this happened, they told each other these wonderful news of his resurrection every day. And so although the religious world has prepared themselves to meet or to greet the Passover, the, the Easter resurrection of Christ, blessed is God who has opened to our hearts the truth that he is our Passover. He is our he lives in us who resurrected, who died and resurrected. And he wants for us to proclaim that he has resurrected and he lives within us. The promise that we will be achieving and that God will reveal and that we right now will continue to talk about and study, they are all in the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection is the result of the death. <clears throat> we died in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for our nation, the house of our Father, and for the destructive, corrupt desires of our soul, and we have resurrected with Him so that we can die for the one who died, we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected, so that we, as the participants of the body of Christ, would share together with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture. We will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in our heart that we have concealed in our heart what we need to do from our side so we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life this is an incredible this is incredible news and an amazing calling for every one of us individually whoever we may be Whatever function we may be fulfilling in the body of Christ, every one of us have our own function. The calling for all is the same. All of us are called to put off our former uh, way of life, our corrupt man who grows corrupt in its deceitful lusts. We need to be we need to renew our mind by the spirit of our mind and we need to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians four, twenty two through twenty four. And to fulfill this decreeing commandment, we need to put three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. And these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental requirements will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. We are offered a choice after we come out of spiritual childhood or infancy. We leave this infancy where we saw everything as if in this uh, dim mirror and not un we couldn't understand the signs of the time or spiritual things that were spoken about when the spiritual things were being proclaimed. We didn't like it because we thought it was some sort of heresy. Because an infant is a carnal man who does not accept the things that are of the Spirit, does not understand it and considers it to be foolish. And constantly belittles and offends the spiritual person, mocking him, looking at a spiritual person as one that's in error with specific uh, extremes, but always sees himself as spiritual and only that way. Only when we will come out of spiritual infancy will we have a choice. And if we don't come out of spiritual infancy, then it is rarely that anyone will have the opportunity to be saved. 
and only because of God's mercy. And so there was a question that was asked to Christ, are there few who are saved? And he said, try to enter through the narrow gate because many will seek but will not be able to. Why? Because very few saints today of the Lord that fill uh, churches and houses of prayer and all of them are convinced that they know and are convinced that they will be raptured. There's a, a woman sitting and smoking. Her father had passed away. This is a, a story I'm telling you. And she was... Our sister worked at, a, at, at this woman's place. Uh, she was the manager of the place where our sister worked. And she told her, the one smoking, said, yeah, I'm going to meet my father in heaven. And she's blowing smoke and blowing all this uh, cigarette smoke all around the room. And so they're convinced that even smoking or drinking alcohol is something normal, that this doesn't have anything to do our, with our salvation. This is just for the body. The body wants it. And you give it to the body. It then calms down. It does not calm down. It calm your body, it destroys your body. Nicotine, alcohol, drugs, they destroy the body. That does not belong to us, it is redeemed. And if you've made the decision to become a vessel uh, of wrath, then it's a choice you make. More, and so, fulfilling these three destiny impacting commanding fundamental requirements will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. Or more specifically, will our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a seed, identifying our down payment of justification that is given to us in salvation, where we need to turn the three above-mentioned acts into practice or into profit within the death of our Lord Jesus so that our salvation can become our possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Otherwise, we will forever lose the justification that is given to us in the format of a down payment as a result in our names, which were written into the book of life in the format of the given to us down payment when we made a covenant with God will forever be blotted out of the book of life. In a specific format, we already looked at the process contained in the first two requirements and stopped to study the process of the third requirement and specifically what conditions we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of the glory of our new person who is created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Only by the means of a renewed mind are we able to clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ or into the new person who he practically He's born in the resurrection of Christ because death does not bear anyone. Death kills. Resurrection, the resurrection of Christ, it bears uh, people to life. Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David. And so David's Psalms are mostly allegories or uh, are often presented in the format of a teaching. And you were able to memorize them and understand the meaning of the parable that you were singing. And so this 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the wisdom and authority that he alone has reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High and 
David in this psalm calls God El Elyon, and this translated is God Most High. And this condition consists in us calling upon the Most High as to our God when and proclaiming the faith of our heart when we are in the circumstances of our tight situation, casting off our old man. This is the most difficult time for a person. There's nothing more difficult, not wars or the loss of people close to you. It's not compared to uh, when we are casting off our old man from ourselves. If you remember the songs of Solomon, it is written there that this casting off of our old man happens as if you were tearing off the skin of a living animal. If you remember the most beautiful of women, she said, I cast off my robe, how can I put it back on or put it on again? And so this literally, uh, in the original, is as if removing the skin, physically removing the skin from a living animal. Before an animal was brought up as an offering, he was first slaughtered and then brought. But in this case, you would be removing the skin from a living animal. And so the offering was a symbol or an example, but here this is what we're experiencing. And so it's difficult when uh, the old man is being removed from us, all of hell will turn against you. All of hell who is connected directly to our old man. And no one, people don't comprehend that hell does live in a man in the form of governing sin. They don't even comprehend that. They think that hell is just somewhere else. Yes, it is somewhere else, but as the heavens and as the house of God, there are there in three realms, as we know, where will you build a house for me? I, I live in the heights of the heavens, in the sanctuary, the temple, and also in a hum, humble and contrite spirit. And so God simultaneously lives in the temple, in us, within our spirit that is humble and contrite and in heaven. It's the same way hell works as well. There's hell that is down below in the center of the earth. There's a hell that is in idle houses where people think they that it's a church, but it's actually an idle house. It's a synagogue of Satan as the scriptures describe. And there are people that are wicked and lawless and they make their own unions and they call themselves saved and they in them lives hell of course they don't feel the fire of this hell yet because the angel of darkness is presented as the angel of light he uh, stirs up their feelings emotions they quack there they do all they bear things they do all kinds of uh, foolish uh, things things appear and they think these are all God's supernatural uh, experiences. They are supernatural, but they are not fruits of the Spirit. These are hell. If the Holy Spirit begins to demonstrate Himself, He demonstrates Himself in the form of fruit, in the form of fruit, and fruit is the result of death. Because fruit is the resurrection, something that grew from the seed that we have submerged into death. We died in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. We accepted this seed of salvation and we became this seed. And we died, we have allowed the Holy Spirit to submerge us into his death. And this sub, uh, submerging is casting off of our old man. And in these circumstances, when we're casting off of our, our old man, we need to call to them upon the Most High and proclaim the faith of our heart, stating 
who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, who we are to God in Jesus Christ, and what do we need to do so that we can inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And so David, in this psalm, speaks of these things. In Jesus Christ, we have died for sin so that we can live for God. And so the scriptures say, count yourself dead to sin, living for God. What do you do to inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ? Count yourself dead to sin, living for God. And proclaim that non-existent stronghold of incorruption within your body as existing. Look at this, think about this, talk about this, sing about this. And when you will be doing this, the Holy Spirit will take your confessions, your words, and will clothe you. And you, when the entire religious world will begin to shake, and especially right now, there are wars all over the world. And the world w uh, there were wars all over the world. The world wasn't shaking. But as soon as this war in Ukraine began, every everyone was activated. Do you think it's because of Ukraine? No. Be just Ukraine needs to be, was, was planned to be uh, the sacrifice for this global plan that they have to the very last Ukrainian, but the Ukrainians themselves don't understand that. They don't understand that they have been condemned as an offering, a sacrifice for, for their purposes. And so there is the West and, and so it, he is uh, the, our president who is ahead of, of this Western Western world and there's also China, Russia and other India, all the Asian countries or toward the Asian side that say no, we will not uh, you will not rule over us. we won't listen to you anymore. And there will soon be a war in Taiwan just as it is in Ukraine. This means that the world has come to its uh, limit to its end because the devil wants to govern the world but we need to be wise. He will govern only upon the territory of the previous or prior Roman Empire, not Russia, China, or India, will be listening to him. And so those, there, he won't be able to uh, uh, chip the people as it is, to rob the people, yes. In, in Europe, everything's ready to remove uh, the financial structure to put chips into people and then you won't be able to not pay your debts they will automatically be pulling it out of that chip that's in you and if you're somewhere they'll always find you you will absolutely be subject but this is only those who will live upon the territory of the prior Roman Empire the remaining world will not acknowledge these chips because they will live a very different life and so we need to understand that there is an attempt to take to globalize and who will become leader or head the uh, United States 
before, after the Soviet Union was destroyed, United States uh, uh, were in control and and the Western world, the entire Western world acknowledged this and the whole world has acknowledged this. But now suddenly, the part of the world has began not to acknowledge this, uh, that the United States is, is still le in lead. And so now they're going to Saudi Arabia, to, to uh, China, and to all other places to try to change that. The Emirates are not even picking up their phone. Biden can't talk to them. They made a contract with Putin, and they are now going to be exchanging currency in rubles. And so it makes no difference where we're located. We are citizens of heaven. I'm just talking about uh, us coming to a, a, a moment. And so these things we're confessing now, they soon will take place. They soon will take place. And everything will then be put into it, the, its own correct place as it is. And so the previous Roman Empire, Europe, Israel still needs to uh, uh, be included, Egypt and Turkey. They have not yet become uh, part of the European Union. And so Turkey, unfortunately, they're not able to uh, still bring him in to the Soviet Union because their leader is trying to lead their nation in a very different way and does not acknowledge U.S. or anybody else. And Putin has been actually helping him. So that means time has not yet come. But when the time comes, it'll be easy for God to do this. And so for us to understand the essence of this war that has shaken everyone up as it is, this war, it's, it's for the preparation of the Antichrist. The throne is being prepared for him. But the unfortunate oligarch of, of America, he's so foolish that uh, that he, the Antichrist will not rule in in U.S. Uh, he will rule in in Europe, and there he will rise. He, for now, is using America because the United States has supported the Western ideas, the the ones in Europe, and. And so Europe has become now a, a, a place of gaze. There's no men or women. There's only uh, uh, an individual. What Biden uh, wanted and the oligarchs, the democratic oligarchs, uh, uh, wanted this to be in the United States as well, but it's not working because there's a, 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 a really strong and large resistance against it. And so everything may be shaking, but we need to be at peace because the most important is not these things. God is doing all of this for us, for his church. The sun rises, the sun sets. Empires disappear, others empires are built for the sake of the church. God says, for you, I will give nations. I will mix all of them and mix them and all their blood also so that you can be grown into the fullness of, uh, of growth in Christ. 
so that you can be faithful in all of these changes that are happening in the world today. And so the given allegory is one of the most powerful and voluminous examples that it's the most powerful and voluminous examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David and the name of God Most High and their violent conflict with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul and also with governing sin who is our old person with his deeds and so these are three kings that live within our body and they are conflicting with one another they hate one another and the field of battle is our heart and so that's why sometimes it's difficult this is when while we're casting off our old man as soon as the old man will be cast off within the body the new man will come to power and he will invite the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit will come in to the body and he will give him the power and he will tell the Holy Spirit I want you to live in me and be my master and Lord and the Holy Spirit will sit on the throne of God's Word upon the throne of the Word that we have concealed in our heart the elementary teaching of Christ this is the throne upon which God sits his Word his Word is his throne and so in its character the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of our legitimate prayer belonging to us as kings priests and prophets the first part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer and our heart as well which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer belonging to kings priests and prophets if a person does not possess the status of a king priest and prophet then he is not able to enter into the sanctuary he thinks he's going in but he's not a carnal man is like Hagar in the wilderness today's Israel the one before and the one today this is as Hagar in the wilderness this is Mount Sinai they are in slavery because they are slaves of the law the law uh, reveals sin in the body and condemns it to death but glory to God we by the law died for the law so that we can live for the one that died and resurrected and the law no longer has any effect upon us we are under a different law the law of grace and so the second part opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer itself which belongs to kings priests and prophets which gives God the proper basis to deliver us in the image of David from the hands of all of our enemies within our body as well as out of our body the third part illustrates the illustrates the prayer battle itself it contains an epic genre which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind of man and so casting off of our old man with his deeds is the battle that's going on for our body to make it free from governing sin otherwise the wrath of God is kindled against governing sin that's in us but he lives in the body that means it's kindled against the body as well in a specific format we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God most high getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisting of the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies 
and God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of his names within the heart of David provided God with the legitimate basis to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David <clears throat> to be able to bring in incorruption into the body of David. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 4, and together let us proclaim who God is to us in Jesus Christ. This is important when the whole church together says this and understands what they're saying believes in what they're saying and rejoices about who God is for them. Let us proclaim, Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear and confirm this, this confession in our heart. And may He make it clear so that when the time comes to erect within our body incorruption for real, that what we called as not existent to make it existent, He could easily be able to read it upon our heart. As much as the Lord has allowed and according to the measure of our faith, we already studied our inherited lot in Jesus Christ and the power of five names of God. And these are strength, rock, fortress, deliverer, and living rock. And stop to study our unsearchable inherited lot in Jesus Christ contained in the name of God, who is our living shield. Getting to know the eight names of God, which identify God's covenant with us, is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of every warrior in prayer. This is also a tactical teaching. Ones that have the virtue, this is the purpose of, uh, to be the, its purpose to be the calling of every warrior in prayer. Ones that have the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets who are anointed to rule over their earthly body. And so previously when the king would walk, he had a mantle and the priests and the prophets also had mantles on, and you can determine uh, who they were. If a person has not accepted the given to him anointing the, to govern over his calling, which is his mortal body and the status of a king, priest, and prophet, so that he can change it into a heavenly body, an incorrupt body, then the revelation about God consisting in his name shield, that is purpose for worshiping God in prayer, will not benefit him in any way because due to his stiff neck he has refused the given to him by God calling to save his soul to then by the means of his saved soul to adopt his body by the truth that is contained in the redemption of Christ a person doesn't receive it and then and he does this because he receives something different he receives evangelism and good work instead because he thinks that if he will evangelize and do good works that in his opinion are good works then he will become righteous and holy and will be saved because a person doesn't think he's righteous if he's not saving anyone in some false charismatic churches 
they write on their wall even, where are your 10 or 12 people that you've brought? Jesus chose 12, and why is it you're sitting on your pews? Go and call people to be saved. I remember we had a choir song, as if I would bring one soul to the Lord, uh, and I wouldn't sing this song because of the wording that was in it, and people would ask, why don't you sing it? Because a person that you're saying you bring a person to God, this is not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and they would ask me in that church, why are you uh, looking too much into the details of things? I'm, I'm, And so what it was stating was incorrect. And so Jesus said about this, that even if you save the whole world and bring him to God, but you lose your soul, what good will it be from that? You will still go to hell, even if you bring the whole world. But if you harm your soul, you are not saved by bringing other people to God. You receive salvation as a deposit. But that doesn't mean salvation has yet been given to you. When you, for example, bring in a down payment for a house or a car or for anything, you bring in a down payment, a certain amount. And that certain amount doesn't mean that you still own this car or house until you find the remaining sum that you owe and bring it in. It's the same thing here. We receive salvation as a down payment. We are now called to save our souls, as it says, uh, save your souls. And when we save our soul, then by the means of an already renewed or renewed or saved soul, you can then save your body. Because everything that God does, He does using our uh, uh, soul too uh, because our, our mind and our mouth de- uh, uh, depend and our emotions from our soul and using our the emotions the this uh, this horse is symbolizing the emotions we need to not do as Saul that David needed to fight with and so how do you battle with the mind so you not kill him You can't kill the mind because it's anointed by God also, like Saul was. God anointed him because everything God does, he does using the mind. And so David said, I will not raise my hands against the anointed of God. May the Lord himself uh, deal with him. And the Lord did. And he renewed in this way the renewed mind of Saul. And as we see the grandson of Saul would sit at David's table. He was crippled, if you remember, and he actually was uh, in favor of David. The name of God and the virtue of our living shield is presented in Scripture as a living protection that is ranked in Scripture for warriors in prayer as their military armor or weaponry. The purpose of such a shield is called by God to block us and protect us as warriors in prayer who battle in the interests of the will of God against all enemies within our body as well as outside of our body as well as provoke enmity between ourselves and our enemy so that we can overthrow them and take back what belongs to us that ended up in the hands of our enemies when our father Adam sinned and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, 
This is God speaking to the devil, to the serpent, to the fallen cherubim. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And so you may you you can ask the question, how is it that the woman can have a seed? She only has an ovary. But here it's speaking of the woman who will have a seed. It's talking about the church. The woman is the church, the daughter of Zion, who confesses the faith of her heart. And when the daughter of Zion confesses the faith of her heart, this is the seed of the woman. The confessions of the faith of the heart is the seed of the woman, the seed of the church of Jesus Christ. Here it's talking about Jesus Christ as the seed who will come through the woman. And also talking about the, the church of Jesus Christ. And I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman. Between the devil and the church, there's, there's enmity. And between your seed and her seed. Between, between the confessions of the faith and then also your word. There are a lot of weeds and churches today are filled. Jesus says the most part of the churches are the seeds of the devil. He even called the Jews in their time and said, you are the children of the devil. The religious elite, they were children of devil, not the children of God. The fact that they confessed, they perverted the truth. When you pervert the truth, when you don't get uh, present the entire truth in its entirety, this is the seed of the devil. When you pervert it, when you change it, and so I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her seed and your seed, what it's referring to here. Following our exit from the Egypt of our soul, the enemy will be pursuing us as he did pursue Israel in his time to take us back to slavery, the name of God, in the form of our living shield. When we confess who we are in Jesus Christ, what he's done for us, who we are to God, and we proclaim the not existent as existent, then by the means of the confession of the faith of our heart, we, he will immediately stand between us and our enemies. To then, by using the power of the words of the faith of the heart, to take the hits of the perverse, vile curse upon himself that has been passed on to us from the corrupt seed of the sinful life of our fathers in the flesh. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. He was first ahead of them, he was in front of them, and Israel saw this light when they were walking, and wherever the pillar uh, would go, that's where they would go, and they moved, and he moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light to, uh, by night to the other, so that they did not come near the other all that night. Exodus 14, 19, 20. And so these two are in conflict with one another and did not come close to one another. They want to destroy one another, but this seed continues to live. These two seeds, that's what it is. The Apostle Paul says, they count us as dead, but we are alive. We are alive. They continue to blaspheme against us. They speak evil against us. We're honorable. When they count us and call us uh, deceivers.
Therefore, the quality and lexicon identifying the name of God's shield, as with the previous names of God Most High, is not able to be found in any dictionary of the world. So, to be our living shield, so that he can take upon himself the inherited hits or strikes of the vile curse that pursues us by the sinful seed of our fathers, is to protect and block us from the wrath of God, protect and block us from the deception of the evil one, protect and block us from the evil and slanderous tongue. Many children of God were hurt by the slanderous tongue, so much so that they went into the world and some, not just some, many actually have gone to hell also. Because when you become angry or upset in your heart and you, and you die with this in your heart, you go to hell. You say, well, I'm not guilty, I was offended. No, it, you're guilty because you kept it in your heart. That one's guilty because he offended you, but you held it in your heart. You have God's living shield. You need to defend yourself with this living shield from these slanderous words, a slanderous tongue. Why? Because of one individual who has offended you, who spoke evil against you, lies against you, you leave the church. What does the church have to do with this? What does God have to do with this? Did God deceive you? Did God speak this against you? They say, well, I'm not leaving from the Lord. No, you are leaving from the Lord if you're leaving His church. One said, what is this church? There's no justice here because I uh, had judged between them and it was not in favor of his kids. It was a situation. But I judged according to the word. And he later repented. We need to understand when God is judging, the carnal man, the, the fleshly man, doesn't want to accept these things. And so to protect and block us from the curse of all nature of illness, protect and block us from the curse of poverty. And when I say poverty, this is poverty materialistic poverty protect and block us from the curse of premature death and protect and block us from the sinful life that was passed on to us from our fathers considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God and man it becomes vital for us to determine in each aspect of our essence both the role of God and the role of man if we will confuse the roles and begin to fulfill God's role then this is the most unfortunate thing because for the most part people are not fulfilling their role Christian people they make a covenant with God and don't even try to clarify what their role is and what God's role is God is the helper and you are the responsible party you need to be first confessing and God will then take your confessions and will do the work you don't need to ask Lord give me patience you need to just be patient you need to be clothed into the patience of Christ because patience is an element of God's love. It is written that we put on God's love, put on love which is the bond of perfection and this is love that is the truth that is imprinted in the heart. We say, Lord, give, give gentleness, give patience. God says, well, I have given it to you. You've received the truth. This truth is my love. Put yourself into it or clothe yourself into it. For this purpose, as with the previous names of God, called to be the lot of our salvation, we need to study four classical questions which will help us know the essence or understand the essence of our inheritance in the name of God's shield so that we may provide God with legitimate grounds to use His name in battle for the adoption of our body. According to Scripture, what are the identifications and the qualities of the name of God 
in his glorious name shield what purpose being in the role of our protector did God allocate for himself and what role has he placed upon us what conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can provide God with a basis to allow us to partake in the unsearchable inheritance of his name the living shield of our faith and by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are truly collaborating our faith with the faith of God in the virtue of his name shield and not some kind of falsified or counterfeit version of it we will remember that all of the acts of God relating to our protection are called to happen by collaborating our faith with the faith of God where we see the role of God in the function of our helper and the role of man and the function of the responsible party party clearly identified and outlined draw near to me and I will draw near to you and so the man himself needs to draw near to God first and then God has taken upon himself the role of the helper if God takes the role of the of the responsible party he will then violate our sovereign rights he will just be dictating to us but he has given us the ability to choose and we are sovereign and we make the choice to collaborate with God's will or not here's my will God says but I don't force you I offer life and death cursing and blessing and you choose what you will collaborate with with curses or with blessings with death or with life and furthermore he says I want you to choose life so that you and your children after you will live my desire is this but this is just my desire the choice is yours and this means that until we fulfill our role identified in the three above mentioned acts God to cast off our old man to renew our mind with the spirit of our mind and count ourselves dead to sin living for God and proclaim the not existent as existent God will not have any legitimate basis until we start doing this God will not have any legitimate basis to fulfill this role so that he can destroy fulfill his role so that he can destroy the stronghold of death in our body and replace it with the erection of the stronghold of life not having clear and exhaustive responses to these questions which we are able to receive exclusively by being instructed in faith we will not have any opportunities to turn to profit the silver of the given to us down payment of salvation so that we can then receive our salvation as a possession in the form of the fruit of righteousness that has grown in the Eden of our spirit for all of the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us second Corinthians 120 and so Apostle Paul says that only through the Apostles can you receive it prophets work together with the Apostles an apostle is always a king and a prophet but a prophet is not always an apostle prophets don't have the right to forgive sin this is given to the apostles Jesus said to his apostles those you forgive sins will be forgiven those that you retain sins upon will be retained all of the apostles that have the fivefold service they are apostles they were prophets, they were, they were evangelists, pastors, and teachers simultaneously, the fivefold. But there are people that can be in a church just to be a teach, the ability to just be a teacher. They can only be a teacher. Wh- where will they, uh, what, what are these? These are waters. These are people who help the pastor. They take from the pastor and teach. Prophets are also those uh that are with the Apostle and they will take from the Apostle and will 
prophesy in the spirit of this apostle. Therefore, without the collaboration of our faith with the powers contained in the name of God's shield, concealed within our heart in the format of the truth of the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ, we will not have any way to please God. And so without collaborating with the apostles who represent God's faith, who present God's faith, we will not be able to please God. To please God is to obey your faith to God's faith. And these are the words of the apostles. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6. And so one that comes to God must obey his faith to God's faith. In a specific format, we already looked at the first three questions, and we will immediately begin our study of question four, or have been studying it. By what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether God is truly our living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies? Specifically, the measure by which we will be able to examine ourselves as to whether God is truly our living shield will determine our success of abiding in Christ and our future with Christ in the kingdom of God in the new heaven and new earth. In the previous services, the first three signs of the result have already been studied. We will immediately pay attention and study the fourth sign. I will remind us, of course, of the first three, and we will go on to the fourth. The first result of collaborating with the name of God's shield will be our ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit or be led by the Holy Spirit for which we pay a price of total sanctification pursuing the price of total dedication. And so if we have this result and we are led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and will overcome, then we have the sign that we collaborate with the name of God's shield. The second result of collaborating with the name of God's shield is our ability to walk in uprightness. As it is written, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. Psalm 84:11. to walk in uprightness is to walk within the truth that we have concealed in our heart. The third result of collaborating the na- with the name of God's shield is our ability to trust in God. As it is written, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 33:20. The fourth result by which we need to judge that we are collaborating our faith with the name of God's shield consists in our legitimate belonging to the house of Israel, to the house of Aaron, and to those who fear God. <clears throat> o Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Psalm 115, 9 through 11. <clears throat> Looking at the essence of the given appeal addressed to the three above mentioned addressees, we conclude that if we are not partakers of these addressees, our trust upon God will be discredited or will not have legitimate status. We need, if we don't have Uh, If we're not part of the house of Israel, then our trust will be discredited and we will not allow God or give God the ability to be our shield. We need to ask the question, by what criteria do we determine our partaking or belonging to the three addressees simultaneously? Considering, therefore, that belonging to the three 
above-mentioned addressees together, representing for us three functions, we receive the legitimate opportunity and ability to trust upon God. And so these three addressees are three functions that we need to fulfill. Looking at the fact that the name Israel, <clears throat> which was given to Jacob, after he allowed the Holy Spirit the ability to pray together with him and for him against the deadly threat coming from his brother Esau, who symbolizes symbolizes the soul of Jacob himself, upon which Jacob relied and trusted so that he can obtain the birthright, Jacob refused to trust upon the understanding and will abilities of his soul. God gave him the name Israel, which means a warrior in prayer, after which Jacob began to limp because God had affected what he trusted in. He affected the socket of Jacob's hip, and he no longer was able to trust upon his mind. And so Jacob, in this case, he is the very same as the symbol of Saul's grandson. And so, if you remember, Jacob had tricked his brother. God would still have given it to him in a supernatural way. He just needed to wait. But Jacob did not wait and decided that he's going to intervene. Of, of course, his mother helped him in this case. And she lost for many years her beloved son. He left and she did not see him for many, many years. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and have prevailed. Then as soon we will clarify here, he was not fighting against God. He allowed God to battle, to wrestle together with him against his soul. So we understand what's going on. He wrestled together with him. Jacob's hip was out of joint and he wrestled with him. That means together with him, not against him. And so they were wrestling against governing sin, against his soul, to overcome it. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. And he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God, with men, and with men, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have been God, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Genesis 32, 24 through 31. Considering the essence of the given statement, the function of being a partaker to the house of Israel is called to make itself known by the state of our heart that satisfies the requirement of a warrior in prayer, which provides God with the legitimate grounds that he needs to be our living shield or active shield, taking the hits that are directed thus by our enemies upon himself. The next function that we are called to possess so that, he, so that we can receive the right to trust upon the Lord 
is to belong to the house of Aaron, which upon practice means obtain boldness so that you can come to the throne of grace so that you can receive help in time of need because only priests were able to uh, come to the throne of grace into the Holy of Holies. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16 We with surety know that boldness is the power to the right to enter the holy place by the means of the truth which is contained in the blood of the cross of Christ which is concealed within our heart. For men indeed swear by the greater and and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 6, 16 through 20, when Jesus was dying upon the cross, the uh, veil that was in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And this was the body of Christ, symbolizing the body of Christ. Through his body that was broken, he allowed us He gave us access to enter with boldness into the throne of grace through the body and blood that we take in during communion. And we become partakers in this way to the house of Aaron. To partake in the inheritance that is contained in the blood of the cross of Christ and in this way receive the legitimate right to the power to enter into the holy place it is necessary by collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ to die in the death of our Lord Jesus for our nation, the house of our Father, and for the corrupt desires of our soul. Considering the given statement, the function of belonging to the house of Aaron is to be determined by us dying through the law for the law in the death of our Lord Jesus, so that we can live for the one that died and resurrected, which provides God with the absolute grounds that he needs to be our active shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies. The next function that we need to possess so that we can receive the right to the power to trust upon the Lord is, which will give God the legitimate grounds Uh, to be our shield or will be a result that God is our shield is to belong to those who fear the Lord category of people who fear the Lord which upon practice means to be filled with the fear of the Lord or be led by the fear of the Lord there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord And when all of this will rest upon him, then his delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Isaiah 11, 1 through 3. And so here, it's talking about the root from the stem of Jesse. And the spirit of of wisdom shall rest upon him. How shall it rest upon him? The Holy Spirit can't rest upon the heart of an infant in Christ. He's not there. He can speak in tongues. He can uh, be uh, baptized in speaking in tongues. 
but he can't tell the difference. He can't tell the difference of where the truth is and where the false apostles are. How can he differentiate the Holy Spirit from the unclean spirit who uh, presents himself, who uh, he, he also performs miracles, he also says things and they come true, uh, and a person can't differentiate when he, they see signs and miracles. I've seen a, a dream and it came true. I, I've had a dream and it came true. And so we need to look at the truth of the Word of God and the fruit. If we don't have the fruit of the Spirit, then all of these dreams, throw them out. Don't pay attention to them. The devil will give you such dreams as he did also in in my time to uh, lift us up as if we're very spiritual, that, that, that there's something personally is opening up to us. If God wants to open something to us individually, He will open it to us through the Word and and it will be confirmed in the Word. If these three functions united are present in our trust upon God, this gives God absolute grounds upon which He can be our living or active shield, taking upon Himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies that are both in our body as well as those that are out of our body. Fifth sign by which we need to judge that we are collaborating our faith with the name of God's shield consists in the ability to see before your eyes a land filled with grain and new wine and heaven that drops dew. The land is large, but not on every land does the dew drop. Africa continues to dry out and here, in specific areas in America, rains are literally flooding places, and hurricanes are 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 flooding and removing uh, lands. And so it's uh, not rain that's coming timely and in measure. Let's read this place of scripture, Deuteronomy 33:28-29. Then Israel shall dwell in safety. And so, the the fountain of Jacob alone. And so, Israel is a warrior in prayer, and he can only be a warrior in prayer if he's a uh, king, priest, and prophet. And so, he shall dwell in safety, the fountain of Jacob alone, alone, no one else but him, is a land of grain and new wine. His heavens shall also drop dew. Happy are you, Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help, and the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you, and you shall tread down their high places. Deuteronomy 33, 28-29 We need to ask the question, what is implied when it, it is talking about the land of grain and new wine and heavens that drop down uh, dew upon the land? What is this grain and new wine and the eyes that can see the land that is filled with grain and new wine? But first we need to look at our partaking to Israel that dwells in safety alone. Or what does it mean to be part of Israel who dwells safely alone? Because due to us being a part of Israel who dwells in safety alone, our eyes will possess the ability to see a land of grain and new wine. The symbol of Israel that dwells safely alone is the chosen by God remnant who possess the virtue of warriors in prayer as well as the individual person who in the death of our Lord Jesus died for his nation, the house of his father, and for the corrupt desires of his soul. Which is why he dwells safely and alone as he had died to his enemies 
which live both in his body as well as out of his body, and therefore he is alone. And so, as you know, that as one who is dead, considered dead, he is he died for sin, and so there's no enemy, he's alone, and he lives uh, safely. Why is he safe? Because he died for his enemies. His enemies are alive, but he is dead to them. Sin lives, but he is dead to sin. And so, if you would have been cold or hot, it is written, but because you are not cold or hot, but lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth because to be hot is to be living for God and to be cold is to be dead to sin and to be lukewarm is something misunderstood a person can't make a decision he either serving he's serving God and mammon maybe at the same time he's serving two masters at the same time and it's not possible to do that and so to understand in safety alone because furthermore, when he dies for these three institutes of power, which were his enemies, because of this, he lives safely alone. And he died for his enemies that live again in his body as well as out of his body. And therefore, he is no longer counted among the nations and lives alone, which means an absolute separation from all nations by the means of total sanctification. For from the top of the rocks, I see him. And from the hills I behold him, there a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Numbers 23.9 The nations don't even know about them. That they are a nation. They are not considering it them to be a nation. The nation came out of Egypt, but they, they weren't a kingdom. They didn't have their own land. They didn't have, and, but they live and they live alone and they wad, uh, wander in the wilderness. But they're not counted among nations because to be a nation is to have a kingdom, to have uh, boundaries, but they don't have, not land, not boundaries, and they waddle, wander in the wilderness, and this is a nation, and they live alone. To understand that we're sojourners here on earth, and so we don't have territory here. Our territory is where God has appointed for us, but he says this is temporary. This is a temporary territory uh, for God has appointed uh, it for worshiping him here, but our true worship is happening in the spirit. And so physically he gave us this location. If not, we would have been renting elsewhere where we would worship as well. Because in the death of the Lord Jesus, we became dead to sin in the form of our nation, the house of our Father, and for our corrupt desires, and living for God in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the eyes of our heart received the ability to see before themselves a land filled with grain and new wine. The symbol of the land that is filled with grain and new wine is our body. Because there, the truth that's in the heart, that's in the body, it will become this grain and new wine. We need to see this land which is our body. And so our body, where God's promises live, that we have received, the promises that belong to the door of our hope. The symbol of grain and wine is the truth within our body, consisting of promises, 
which are called to swallow up death within our body and erect within our body the stronghold of immortality. The symbol of the grain is truth within our heart. The symbol of the wine is the fruit of joy in the Holy Spirit. As it is written, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We conclude that an ample amount of grain and wine within our land, which is the temple of our body, is the kingdom of God inside of us. In the form of the grace of God that rules within our heart by the means of the grown by us fruit of righteousness. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.21 And so righteousness reigns in resurrection. And resurrection is a, is a result of us dying for our nation, the house of our Father, and our destructive desires. The symbol of the dew that drops from heaven upon our land, due to which our land becomes full of grain and wine, is the received by us preached word into the good soil of our heart, which is the, which are heavens to our body. Give ear, O heaven, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. Deuteronomy 32, 1-2. Moses speaks to the spirit of man to heaven, this is the spirit of man, and then speaks to the body, the soul, O earth, the words of my mouth, heavens and earth, our spirit, our body. And so the teaching drop as the rain, speech distilling as the dew. The symbol of our eyes, which are able to see our land, which is filled with grain and wine, are the eyes of our heart, which are placed in dependence of the treasure of our hope upon God and upon his word, which we have, we have concealed within our heart. Do not lay up for yourself treasures, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will also be we need to gather treasure into our heart furthermore the lamp of the body is the eye if therefore your eye is good your whole body will be full of light but if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness if there, it's here talking. It's talking about the renewed mind, the the. And so the spirit of the mind. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If therefore the light is, is in you is darkness. How great is that darkness? And so if you're an infant in Christ, you look through this dimmed uh, mirror. Uh, darkness is how how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for. And so why is there darkness? Because a person is serving to uh, another master. Why does he see dimly in a mirror? Because he, all of the promises of God that are given for our spirit, he's trying to use them for his body and uh, apply them to himself uh, for different purpose. For either uh, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That is mammon, that is wealth. Matthew six nineteen through 24. The symbol of the bad eyes which subject our bodies in the form of our land into the darkness of ignorance is us not desiring to leave spiritual infancy or spiritual childhood in the form of our fleshly state. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. When you know in part and you prophesy in part, this is the partial truth. This is not a, a, a wholesome truth. 
but when that which is perfect has come, then what, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Not when I die, but when I put away childish things. For now, we, as in this child state, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And so I was in a church once as a guest, and the pastor uh, asks me, someone had a vision that there was a wall in the eye that was behind a wall. Somebody had a vision. And he asked me, how, do you, how can we understand this? And I was quiet. And then he asked the next person to, to, to explain their own vision. He, he said, I saw a sleeve and lines on the sleeve. And he asked me, what does that mean? And I was quiet. And then there was another vision. And, and, and so, and so they were having this, uh, they tried to organize a service that there would be many speakers and I would be number 18. And so each person would speak for one to two minutes. And so what did they say? Hallelujah, glory to God. And they speak about their visions and there's complete, or they'll say, oh, it's, uh, and so they speak uh, just random different things that, and so this, serv- this church or this location where we were gathering so they wouldn't catch uh, us gathering there, of course, people would avoid, uh, they would, uh, They would avoid uh, try, trying to have people notice that they're gathering there for a church service because they would uh, find out we would be in trouble. Uh, this is in in Russia and so Soviet Union. And as soon as they gathered together, they started shouting so loud and praying. And and I, I asked them, "Do you understand that you're making all this noise? People will hear you." This was in Moscow specifically. I was in a, in a church there, just to explain uh, all, all the Pentecostal churches were ki- were pretty similar and they would see these visions and so everybody was seeing as it as it states here uh, in part if we possess then for now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face now I know in part but then I shall know just as I also am known so I will know as God knows me is what it means here first Corinthians 13 9 through 12 if we possess perfect peace within our heart for which we have paid a price of total sanctification allowing us to live safely and not be counted among the nations, the eyes of our heart will be able to see the promise that belongs to the door of our hope, which provides God with absolute grounds to be our living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies that are both within our body as well as out of our body. Sixth sign by which we need to judge or determine that we are collaborating our faith with the name of God's shield consists in the ability to be Salem, in our ability to be Salem where God abides in Zion. Judah, God is, in Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the arrows of the bow, the shield and sword of battle. Psalm 76, 1 through 3. 
And so here, as it's talking about he broke the arrow of the bow, the shield and sword of, the, of battle, it's also uh, implying the same thing as it did where it was talking about the seed. I'll put uh, enmity between your seed and her seed. And so God broke the arrows of the bow, the shield, sword, and sword of battle. The word Salem means unharmed, whole, and peaceful. This is the name of Jerusalem that was built by the Jebusites upon Mount Zion at the spring of Gihon, which they for a short time called Jebus or Jebusam, named after the patriarch one of the sons of Canaan, the grandson of Ham, the son of Noah. In his time, Abraham gave his tithe from the best of his gains to Melchizedek, who was the king and priest of Salem. Therefore, the symbol of Salem that is built upon Mount Zion at the wellspring of Geham, which became the, wells, the dwelling place of God, is the body of man, which is redeemed by God, which is called to become a temple of the living in him Holy Spirit. Mount Zion, upon which the city of Salem is built, symbolizing the promise that is given by God for our body, consisting in the stronghold of incorruption, called to rule within our body at the door of our hope, the wellspring Gihon, which flows upon Zion, symbolizes the Holy Spirit, who in a time that God has established is called to erect the stronghold of immortality within our body. But for this purpose, it is necessary for the land of Canaan in the form of our body to become the land of Israel, who pursues the goals of God so that our body become a house of prayer. Therefore, the reason why Salem which was built upon Mount Zion became the dwelling place of God consists in the fact that God is known in Judah and in Israel his name is great God became known in Judah because Judah paid an appropriate price for this knowledge consisting in Judah allowing itself to obtain understanding and to be taught by the prophets and teachers who were sent to them by God the word known, when it comes to Judah and God, means to know, to find out, to get to know, allow yourself to be known, reveal yourself to be known, to receive understanding or be taught. Therefore, the phrase, there he broke the arrows of the bow, the shield and the sword of battle, means that because a person has allowed the Holy Spirit to give him understanding and instruction by the preached word of God's messengers, God has broken the stronghold of death in the body of such a person, that for the old man who resists the new person within our body are arrows, a bow, a shield, and a sword. If our bodies have become the temple of the Holy Spirit, then this means that we have received the Holy Spirit as our Lord and Master of our life, which gives God absolute grounds upon which He can be our living shield, or our acting shield taking upon Himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies who are both within our body as well as out of our body. Seventh sign by which we can judge that we are collaborating our faith with the name of God's shield consists in the ability to live in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, and so he says to God in prayer, he speaks to God when he goes to home, when he washes the dishes, when he's driving, when his mind is free. The hands are working, but the mind is free. He says, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. 
Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. When you will speak this way and confess this way, then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Psalm 91, 1 through 4. To dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty means to acknowledge over yourself the power of the word of the person who is placed over you by God in the form of the Apostle who stands as head of our churches. When we say, when we say this, we are not talking about, we're not talking about this like a menu in a restaurant where we can choose what we like or prefer, but instead we are talking about all the instructions and corrections as a whole. Not accepting or rejecting one of the instructions, we become guilty in all of the remaining instructions as well. To receive from the Apostle all of the instructions, it's not as a menu where you could just select what you prefer and don't prefer. Not receiving or accepting one, you would then resist the, the remaining uh, things that are being given. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, in one point he is guilty of all. James 2.10 if our faith is obedient to God's faith, which are the words of the messengers of God, this provides God with absolute grounds upon which to be our living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies that are both within our body as well as out of our body. Eighth sign by which we need to judge or determine that we are collaborating our faith with the name of God's shield consists in our ability to walk before God in the uprightness of, of our heart. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Psalm 278. Looking at the given place, God has promised to be a living shield to guard his salvation and preserve the way exclusively of that category of saints who walk before him in uprightness. To walk before God, I will remind us that to walk before God in uprightness means to walk in the light of His Word, which comes out of His mouth, or the mouth of God, upon which God Himself walks. God walks in the light of His own Word. To walk in uprightness means to walk in the light of His Word. This is where in the, the way God Himself walks. To walk the way of the Lord, upon which God Himself walks, performing His righteousness and justice. To be vigilant in prayer, which is the Word of God. Prayer needs to be the word of God. Our prayers need to be the words that came out of God's mouth to produce fruits of righteousness to God. Command your children and your household to walk the way of the Lord, to present God an offering of praise in the fruit of the lips that praise God, to have the fruit of righteousness rule within your body, to clothe your body into the fruit of righteousness, demonstrate goodness toward the vessels of mercy in the, fruit, in the fruits of righteousness and severity toward the vessels of wrath. The preamble to walking before God upon the path of uprightness upon which God himself walks is the necessity by being instructed in the faith to know who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, in the plan of our redemption from sin and death, in the blood of the cross of Christ, who we are to God in Jesus Christ, and what conditions we need to fulfill and not damage their original essence so that we can inherit all that God has promised to us in Jesus Christ. So, walking before God represents the symbol of perfection, which is inherent to our Heavenly Father, presented in the twelve foundations of the wall of the new and holy Jerusalem. For following the commandments consisted of walking before God, we are promised a great reward, and for not following the commandment, we are promised an eternal punishment. 
first sign of walking before God in uprightness consists of obeying our faith to the faith of God, <clears throat> to accept the seed of promise into the good soil of our heart, which drives away death from our mortal body so that we can grow it into the fruit of the fruit of the Spirit in the name Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he had sons and daughters, so all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, because God took him. Genesis 5, 22-24. According to the given place of Scripture, only after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch received the ability to walk before God, which indicates the fact that until we obey our faith to the faith of God, to the preached to us word, about the erection of the kingdom of heaven inside of us, the power of the old person who lives within our mortal body will not be eliminated and we will not have any opportunity or ability to walk before God. Second sign of walking before God in uprightness, giving God the legitimate grounds to be our living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies, consists in the rule of the fruit of righteousness in the name of the three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What was what is this grace he found? This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Genesis 6, 8-10. And so, the result of him walking before God, he begot these three sons. The symbol of the fruit of the Spirit in the three sons of Noah represent the abiding of righteousness and uprightness in his spirit in his spirit, in his soul, and his body. The three names of the sons of Noah signified the state of his righteous and upright heart before God. The name Shem is the glory of God. Ham is scorching or hot, that is living. Japheth made the Lord expand or increase. We know that righteousness and uprightness in the heart of Noah and the fruit of his spirit in the name of Shem, which gave him the guarantee of salvation from the world flood, consisted in the fact that in the heart of Noah was the glory of God in the form of Christ who lived within his heart. Righteousness and uprightness in the heart of Noah and the fruit of his spirit in the name Ham, giving him the guarantee of salvation from the world flood, was that in the fruit of Ham, Noah received the promise for his body in the form of the stronghold of life as he had died to sin and lived for God. Because to be hot means to be living for God and dead to sin, which literally means that Noah counted himself dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the not-existent stronghold of life in his body as existent. This is why he bore him. And so, of course, this name may not be acceptable as it were, but it's actually a wonderful name. I don't recommend calling your children by the name because we had. And so, unfortunately, we had a situation where in school he was laughed at because of the meaning of the name. Okay, going forward, forward, righteousness and uprightness in the heart of Noah, in the fruit of his spirit, representing his expansion in the name Japheth and giving him the guarantee to salvation from the world flood, consisted in Noah in the fruit of his spirit, in the name Japheth, to settle in the tents of Shem. As a result, the settlement of Japheth in the tents of Shem 
Canaan, the son of Ham, became a slave of Japheth. And he said, Blessed is Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Genesis 9:26-27. When our mind is settles in our into Shem, into our into our heart, into our spirit, after this he becomes able to take uh, our, the members of our body and make them subject to him as well, slaves to him. The expansion or the settlement of Japheth into the tents of Shem is the collaboration of our renewed mind identifying the reasonable aspect of our soul in the name Japheth with the, with the mind of Christ in the name Shem, identifying the reasonable aspect of our spirit. The rule of Japheth over Canaan, the son of Ham, is the governance or rule of our renewed mind over the emotional aspect of our soul who in the form of the Prince of God by the rod of his, mi- of his mind is called to control or our emotional horse. We are called to control our emotional horse. Amen. Let us bend our knees and our heads as you are able to. Maybe not everyone is able to. As you are able to, we will pray and thank God for the word that we were able to receive today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, again and again, I thank you for the greatest privilege the opportunity to be with your people upon this holy and blessed by you place that your hand has appointed so that we can worship your holy name for upon this place you have erected the throne of your word that does not change ever and we thank you that we have received this word and that it lives forever everything in this world will be destroyed and everything soon will be burned all is shaking but your word that abides in us cannot be shaken it is strong and we thank you for the strength of your word upon which we can stand and that we can trust in that we can be nourished by and that we can rejoice as with wine that we can be healed by from all illnesses because it is our food and our drink our medicine We thank you that you have uh, sent your Holy Spirit who has revealed the truth in our heart in its original form. May your nation be blessed now and forever who listens to your words and may they be, uh, may these words be confirmed and imprinted in their hearts. The revealing of your promises that we are waiting for with hope that when the time that you have Uh, decided comes we will be changed in the blink of an eye and we will become immortal looking at the signs of the times that you're able to that you're showing us we are living in a time when all this will happen and so we lift our heads to you we thank you and we worship before you our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and now let us proclaim together our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.